Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dore for this lively discussion on the rights of criminal defendants and the important role defense attorneys play in our legal system. The Fourth Amendment to the United States Constitution gets plenty of attention in the U.S. court system and therefore plenty of attention here on Liberty and the Law. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And as we do each month, uh, Lavelle Law criminal defense attorney James Dore and I have lined up, I think, a very insightful discussion on a recent case uh, revolving around that particular amendment. Um, and this one comes from the Chicago area and involves uh, an appellate court decision. So a uh, recent case close to home. It's a good one. James, you, you ready to dive in on this one? I'm ready, Jim. Let, let's get started. So it's it's a 2017 case, uh, the People versus Patty, that originated with a uh, traffic stop along Interstate 90 out here, I think, in Kane County. And to me, the case begins with what seemed like a very innocuous traffic stop. You know, according to the record, the car in question was not traveling at excessive speed, really no traffic violations. But uh, in the officer's opinion, the uh, the car was maybe following too closely to the vehicle, confront, vehicle in front of it. And then the car had windows that may have been excessively tinted. So that's what we start with. What what kind of happens next? Right. I, no, I agree. It was a valid valid stop, even though the the the, the trial court did say it was a very close call. So they, I think they, the the court looked at it as, as as a close call because they knew that the uh, the sheriff in question, right, the King County Sheriff's Department, was there um, conducting special operations unit and specifically to to uh, conduct drug interdiction on Interstate 90. So it didn't necessarily start as your average kind of traffic case. It did start as a Kane County Sheriff assigned to this corridor specifically looking for drug violations or drug trafficking and then making traffic stops. So they, they said, okay, there's a basis for it because it's eh, maybe found a little too closely to the truck in front, even though the car wasn't speeding, and maybe the windows were heavily tinted, but you know, they, they, they thought, okay, it, the stop itself isn't the problem here. We'll go to the next issue. And the uh, next issue would be the, the, the drug dog that showed up and how long the traffic stop, uh, uh, how long the, the, the stop took place. Yeah. So ultimately what occurred, and stop me if I'm on the wrong path here, but that officer didn't write any tickets. They simply wrote a warning. Uh, in that process, they ended up, for lack of a better term, delaying uh, letting the person go until they could get a search dog there. The dog acted in a certain way. Uh, the, the officer continued with the search, found some drugs and loaded handguns, um, and then this turned into a, a more significant ins- issue. But at the end of the day, uh, the court said for a number of reasons that it really wasn't a valid search and, and those issues or those charges couldn't be brought. Is that kind of the way it worked out? Right. The, 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 there was a, uh, a motion uh, to suppress evidence that was filed in a trial court, and the, the judge granted that motion and suppressed certain evidence from being allowed at trial for, for prohibiting the, the prosecutors from using the evidence. And the, a lot of the evidence, I mean, there, there's some key evidence here. There's, there's drugs, there's guns, uh, there's probably there's cash that I'm sure they wanted to use as evidence at some point. Um, and, it was, and there were some other observations as well, but they're all excluded from evidence because the judge found that the traffic stop itself was uh, unreasonably delayed or prolonged or delayed by the drug dog sniff 
and uh-huh. that was not not allowed. And, and you know, a few facts that are that are important here. Um, when the driver was asked to exit the vehicle, the the trooper or the 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 sheriff actually brought the the motorist back to his squad car, and then uh-huh. proceeded to interview the the driver and then write out the ticket. So. When, the, when he was done issuing the warning citation, he had it in a clipboard, actually, but he was finished writing the, 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 the citation and said as much on the record and just left the, the clipboard sitting in his vehicle while he went back to the vehicle itself. So he left the squad vehicle, went back to the vehicle that he stopped to inquire about an insurance card, proof of insurance. Now, here the hitch on that one is this car was registered in Minnesota, had Minnesota tags. He knew all the drivers were from Minnesota, and they were not obligated to be uh, insured. You know, the vehicle's not obligated to be insured in Illinois because it's not registered in Illinois. The only the car, they only have authority over its own vehicles. So, the the court looking at that and, and asking was that reasonable to to prolong the the stop to inquire about the insurance when that wasn't even a valid basis to 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 cite the driver. Yeah, and and that. Time delay that uh, the process is what really seems to be central to the case. Now, you and I talk often on these podcasts about probable cause. So it sounds, from what I heard you say, the the court said, okay, in terms of the traffic traffic stop itself, maybe maybe probable cause will give you that. But then that additional search, calling in the uh, uh, drug sniffing dogs, didn't really find probable cause for that. Is that is that a fair estimate? Well, it, it, it really came down to not necessarily the probable cause element, although that's part of it. It really came down to was it the use of the drug, the drug dog itself, did that prolong the, the traffic stop? And it really okay. turned on that issue of the. Of the so it's it's not whether you know the the timing of the ticket. Let's say you get the the, the officer out who who only types with two fingers, right? And it takes him forever <laughs> to fill out a traffic ty- citation. Well, you can't use that guy to, to sit there and, and and be doing the traffic, you know, writing up the citation while some while they're waiting for the drug dog and using the drug dog and that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a reasonableness here, and it, we talked about this before, Jim. That that's the standard. It really goes through the Fourth Amendment is the reasonableness. What, how reasonable were these government actions? You know, these these actors for the government. How reasonable were, the, were their actions? So, it's that reasonableness. It's really you find it a lot with the Fourth Amendment. So, you know, it's they're not they're not saying that the what the officers necessarily can't follow hunches and things, but they have to back back up, you know, their police work with some of these hard details and, and facts that they can point to. And, again, you know, the use of that drug dog, it may or may not be permissible, but it cannot, it cannot extend the, uh, mm-hmm. the traffic stop itself. To, it cannot prolong the stop. Actually, the, 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 the dog itself prolongs the traffic stop, and that itself is the, the unlawful nature of it. So in this case, and explain the use of the drug dog yeah. itself. And explain how that factors in the Fourth Amendment, and you know, to sort of describe why that um, waiting for that dog to arrive is a violation of, of the Fourth Amendment. Sure. Well, they're looking to, for, you know, a, a, basically when we talked before about the Fourth Amendment, it, uh, searches without conducted without uh, authority of uh, granted by the court, such as a, a warrant, they're they're not they're deemed to be uh, uh, um, per se unreasonable. Unless certain factors are, are present, okay. Um, stuff uh, when it involves the, the, the searches of cars, we have a lesser expectation of privacy in our cars, and there's more uh, um, state uh, participation because of road safety and vehicle safety. So, you know, we do have to comply with certain aspects 
uh, with the government, you know, licensing, you have to have a driver's license, your car has to be registered. So there is a legitimate state interest in vehicles on the road. So mm-hmm. um, in, in these cases, you know, the, 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 um, the drug dog itself is being used to establish the reasonable basis or the basis to search the vehicle, you know, absent a warrant, absent some other findings or, you know, let's say a, an officer sees uh, drugs in plain view, well, he can, he can seize it and, and, and use that as a search. It's in plain view. But using the dog itself now, you're trying to get what's not in plain view and getting, again, getting around that Constitution, getting a basis for the search of the vehicle that's not there independently. So the dog is providing the basis to search the vehicle. And, you know, we've discussed these drug dogs before. There's a lot of issues with the, with the drug dogs and the accuracy <laughs> and, and use, the utilization of these drug dogs. So it's, it's, yeah. it's another thing that came out in this case as well. Well, that's good because I think the basis of the case you've described very well, and in and of itself what we've heard today would be enough to go, okay, get it. But there are a few more things I want to talk about which may or may not be relevant, but they could be relevant elsewhere. And and as we do this, I'm I'm talking to James Doerr, a a highly regarded criminal defense attorney here in the Chicago area who practices at Lavelle Law. He joins me each month on liberty and the law and um, really knows, as you've heard, quite a bit about cases involving traffic stops, among many other things. And if you visit LavelleLaw.com, you can read his credentials and get more than I can give you here today. But, um, you know, what about the alleged evidence found by the dogs in the search? It seemed like um, the court kind of looked at the officer's description of how that dog behaved with a a bit of a raised eyebrow as well. Well, yeah, I mean, and it came down that we looked at, there was a, in this case, the, the, the court looked at, there's a video involved. So he had some, mm-hmm. some um, you know, independent evidence, and he had testimony on the part of the, the, the officers in court. Now, <clears throat> the, the officer testified that the, his canine unit was um, trained to passively alert. So it was p- trained to sit down rather than, than scratch at something or, or, or you know, alert in a, in a more active way. You know, it's a lot like mm-hmm. a bomb dog, but, you know, you don't want a dog find a bomb and start scratching at it. You want the dog to sit there and indicate. So this dog was trained the same way. It's supposed to sit down to indicate it had found something. That's the alert. But the dog never did that. It never sat down once on this video. And so the officer trained, well, there are other indicators that it, there was an alert that wasn't the one that they were trained to do. So... The change in the dog's behavior, you know, the, the dog was excited. It tried to jump through the window with a car. Um, it, it was ignoring the, the, the officer's commands to, to smell for drugs and just, you know, again, mm-hmm. the dog was, was, it was distracted. And the officer testified that those behavioral changes, even though it wasn't the, the, the clue that he trained to do, that the passive alert, that still the, 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 he knew that the the drugs were present based on the uh, the, the, the yeah. dog's behavior. So there's, there's there's a lot going on here. It's 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 um, it doesn't quite pass the smell test if you want to put it that way. Yeah, and and you mentioned the video. Uh, you know, we hear about videos in in these cases quite a bit these days, and I, I think the court had a sense that the video didn't really support the officer. If there is a video um, from an arrest or some other action, as a defense attorney, are you entitled to see that, or do you only get to see it if if the uh, prosecution or the state offer it up to you? Well, entitled is a funny word to use there, but uh, just in general, <laughs> okay. the, pro- the process of discovery is that if there's evidence that the prosecutor intends to use at trial, that evidence should be disclosed to the to the defendant. 
And also exculpatory evidence should be disclosed. So whether or not they want to use that evidence, if they come across evidence that would tend to favor the defendant, favor his case, they have to disclose uh -huh. that, um, independent of being asked to. Um, but there's a lot of, they, we could do a few podcasts on this one, Jim, where, and depending on whether it's a misdemeanor or a felony and what kind of case it is, what we're entitled to get. But, you know, things like this, defense attorneys, they know about videos and squad cars and they want to get them because it does. It makes our case a lot easier to prepare, um, you know, and things like this, we, they come out, you know, behavior of the dog. Well, the dog never, never sat. Well, that's, that's a problem right there. The, the, the training, the dog's training was to sit as the alert, and it never sat for the alert. So that right there, it, it tends to make it you know a little less credible, I, I would say. Yeah. And now, as as we wrap up here, you know that in this case, the the court, uh, the appellate court, referred to a number of other cases as as they would normally do, and um, called out uh, various situations. Uh, you know, as you look at this from a defense perspective, is it kind of satisfy you to see, as we often discuss here, that the courts take a pretty good effort to protect the Fourth Amendment so vigorously? Yeah, I think that this is a good case, a good case for all sides. You know, they, did, they never said that the police couldn't use a, a drug dog. They, it's, it's perfectly lawful under the Fourth Amendment to use that. They just can't prolong a traffic stop to use a drug dog, and a drug dog itself can prolong a traffic stop. So when you prolong it, it's unlawful and unreasonable under the Fourth Amendment. So I think in this case, it's, you know, it, 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 it it's a correct recitation of the law. It, it, I think the court looked at the facts in, a, in an intelligent manner. I think it's a good decision. Um, you know, and, I, and I agree with you that, that we need courts like that enforcing the Fourth Amendment, and they need to, to, to uh, you know, be well-versed in the importance of it. Well, um, I certainly I always enjoy these conversations with Attorney James Dore, and I know uh, any of you with questions would do the same. So uh, as we let him go and uh, – continue with his day. I want to encourage everyone, if you have questions, give him a call, and um, we'll look forward to talking with him again in uh, upcoming conversations, but he can be reached at 847-705-7555, or as I mentioned, if you visit LavelleLaw.com, you'll get his profile and information, as well as articles, podcasts, videos, a uh, great collection of information about uh, defense and other issues that uh, James and the other attorneys cover. So LavelleLaw.com, 847-705-7555. We'll look forward to talking to you on the uh, next month's edition of Liberty and the Law.